0: I'm here with David Smalley, who you know from Dogma Debate, and I'm here with his wife Brandy as well. Um, They are in Chicago, which they'll tell you about why, but hey, it's very rare that anyone comes to Chicago, period. So if any time I can have a guest here, that's always fun. So we're in my house. We have some stuff uh, I'm excited to talk about. So thank you guys for coming out this way.
1: Hey, thanks for having us. We appreciate it. So
0: tell me why you're in Chicago. We are in Chicago for the BEA, the... um
1: Book Expo America. It's uh, I believe it's the largest book expo in the United States, maybe in the world. I think it's in the world actually because there are some companies that 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 spend like 50, 60 grand to be at this conference. I mean, it is massive. When you go like to a secular conference and you see these little tables set up, you're like, <laughs> "Now I look at that and go, oh, that's
0: adorable." I mean, that's so <laughs> that's cute. That's like the side room in a small part of the BEA. It's the it
1: that our our table sections at the atheist conventions, like our main table areas, to me it looks like the VIP lounge <laughs> <laughs> at the at this expo. It is massive. I mean, you walk in, I mean there are there are people who have who have uh, expos, uh, like spaces. Bigger than my house, (laughs) like my house, I think is like twenty two hundred square feet. Yeah, and there's like people with three and four thousand square foot lots that are fully carpeted. I mean, it's gorgeous. And what are they all?
0: What are all these people doing here at these tables? The the big guys are there for their publishers.
1: They are um, individual uh, distribution companies that are wanting to find new books and then put them on the shelves at you know Barnes and Noble and Walmart and Target and things like that. Um, There are graphic artists walking around, illustrators, trying to connect with children's book publishers and and authors. I mean, it's everybody you could imagine. I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was there signing autographs. He's an author now? He's an author. So he was signing (laughs) his book. So uh, we were there for Tiny Thinkers, the uh, Tiny Thinkers series, and we got to explain it to a lot of people. And it was just really cool seeing mainstream America learn about something the secular community has been working on for like a year and a half. And so the book is called Charlie and the Tortoise. And I would hold the book up and I would say, these are science books for kids. And they would perk up and say, oh, that's really cool. They're thinking educational. They'll say, what age group? And I say, oh, it's four to eight. I would point to the, the, the label that says Tiny Thinkers. I'll say, it's actually a series. We have a total of 40 scientists that we've written about. And the exciting thing about these books is they're actually for – they're not fictional characters. They're real-life scientists. And so we take these scientists and we – So when you say Charlie – you're well, talking. Yeah, well, well. Here, here's the thing, <laughs> and, and this is where the the you can tell where that person stands on this yeah, issue. Yeah. And so I intentionally save that for the end. Okay. And so sorry I, to burst I, that. No, it's cool. <laughs> I, 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 What I do is I, I show it to them and I say, and this little boy. Uh, so basically, what we do is we tell the story about the accomplishments of that scientist, but we retell it as though it was a he was a child going on an adventure. But a lot of the information is still factual. So I'll start flipping through the pages, and I say, oh, this is, you know, this boy named Charlie is said to have gone on this journey uh, across the ocean. And he comes across some islands and notices that the birds are the same, but some of the beaks are different. And they're, they're shaking their head. Okay, okay, okay. And I flip through, and I say, and then he meets this tortoise who's 200 years old and can actually say, I've seen changes over time. These birds didn't always look like this. And then they—they're either still nodding or they just stop and stare at me. Like that's <laughs> the Because they point. figured it out. <laughs> you can tell. Like I'm like, oh wait, you're with the Christian yeah, publishing yeah. company, aren't you? <laughs> so, uh, and then once we get to that point, I, I flip to the end and say, and then you find out that uh, uh, this little boy Charlie actually found out that all animals are ultimately connected, and we should all really take care of each other. And then you find out at the end it says uh, Charlie grew up to be known as. And then you turn the last page, and there's a picture of Charles Darwin as an adult, and we have facts about Charles Darwin. And most of the time, like 95%, they would perk up even bigger and go, wow, that is amazing. That is awesome. What other scientists are you doing? And I start going, uh, Carl Sagan, uh, Richard Feynman. uh, And I just start spitting out names, and they get more and more excited. The vast majority of these people are super pumped every now and then they would hit the brakes at Charles Darwin and just be like, oh, that's nice, goodbye. <laughs> and they just
0: slowly disappear into the So into how many books distance. have you done so far? Is that the one that's out right now? There are 40 that are written. Wow.
1: Charlie is the one that is out that you can buy on Amazon. You can have it in your hands. Um, the one on Richard Feynman, and by the way, Cara Santa Maria wrote the foreword for the Charlie book. And then we have... Um, the Richard Feynman book is next. It's called Richie Doodles, <laughs> and uh, Lawrence Krauss wrote the foreword for that one. And the third book, I think, we're going to end up doing Ada Lovelace. Uh, I, w- I want to bring in more diversity. Yeah. I don't want to have our first three books to be three old white guys. Right. Um, well, and she's worthwhile too. Absolutely, absolutely. And and there's there's several women that that the authors written about. Which you know the author. He's based right here in Chicago. He's uh, uh, Mario. Uh, M J Mouton,
0: uh, okay. From uh, he he did some work with uh, Kids Heart Kids. So, yeah, so Mario's, what writing all these books? Who's doing the illustrations? How did you like walk me through how this goes from it's a cool idea, but then how do you actually execute it? How so do you know I, Mario? How do you get this? Yeah, started?
1: so so I was on tour, and uh, apparently Mario wrote these stories uh, for his daughter when she was five years old. She's now nine, so the stories have just been sitting there. And what he would do is he would read her these bedtime stories that he wrote. He made them up because he wanted to teach her about science. But so he made it rhyme. And the guy knows so much about these scientists. He's all completely self-taught, which are some of our favorite scientists in the secular community. Don't come with PhDs. Guys right. like guys like Aaron Raw that we listen to and go, wow, it's phenomenal. I love that science behind that. They know how to communicate they, it. Yeah, they didn't go out there, and they, they spent hours and hours and hours researching on their own, and that raw knowledge is just so valuable. And so uh, he did. That's how he did. He's a construction worker. He's a project manager for, for construction, and he he, he uh, dove into this and, and learned about it. So he's so passionate. He's so excited about it. He knows so much about these scientists that he's able to write the stories and make them rhyme, <laughs> and, and make it funny. And so... Um, he, I was on tour, and he apparently was seeking out someone in the secular community to do some publishing. And I went... He invited me to his home for gumbo while I was passing <laughs> through. Yeah. So Jerry DeWitt, which is a mutual friend of ours, invited me over to, to join them. And I was sitting there eating gumbo, and um, he's, he's like, oh, I want to read this story to you. And people... Are constantly pitching stuff to me. Sure, constantly. I'm sure you get to say, "Hey, read this blog, read this thing, listen yeah. to this podcast," which is fine. I love doing it and I, I love helping folks. But I'm constantly getting pitches. Something okay. I'm, th- this is the cost of the gumbo, right? I eat the gumbo. <laughs> I listen to the pitch. It's like a timeshare, whatever. This is fine. I'll, I'll listen. I have no problem with that. I, I enjoy that type of content. And so I'm, I'm eating, and he's he's talking kind of in the background. I'm paying attention. About ninety percent, I'm listening. And I hear, you know, Galapagos Islands, and I go, oh, that's kind of familiar. A little boy named Charlie, and then he gets to Finches, and I'm chewing slower now, thinking, <laughs> well, what's going on here? 70% in, I realize he's talking about that Charlie is Charles Darwin. Yeah, because I, I it didn't make sense at first, but now when you get into it, yeah. yeah and then I, I, just, I got chills, and I was <laughs> like, that was amazing. A kid's book gave me an aha moment. Yeah. That's that's kind of rare. Usually you see the kids' book twist coming a mile away, Right, and I just didn't see this one, especially with the tortoise. I get it. Elmo's
0: red. He's a monster, right. something like that. <laughs> I figured right. it out.
1: Right. And then I said, uh, do you have any more? He was like, I've got 40. <laughs> and I'm like, you keep reading, I'll keep eating gumbo. Yeah, And he read me a bunch of stories. I think he read me 19 that night. Uh-huh. And I just thought... This is phenomenal. I was like, man, we've got to put this in front of people. And so he planned on pitching it to me as a publishing idea. Yeah, didn't have to. All he had to do was read it, and I was like, can we publish these? Yeah, and uh, we signed a contract, and uh, we've been moving forward ever since. So who's
0: illustrating these?
1: Um, it, it's an independent illustrator that we contracted. We found. Oh, okay. We we put out a notice and let people try out, and we yeah. hired him
0: independently. So, okay. Uh, his, his name is Hesriel. Okay. So these you have this book out. Um, when you're at BEA and you're telling people about this book, what are you hoping they do?
1: It all depends on who they are. Uh, there are a lot of librarians there. We want the librarians to take a sample back, talk to their buyer, and say, we want this book in our library. And, and the whole want,
0: series, hopefully. Right,
1: and we want 20 copies in our in our school. And we want every school in America to have 20 copies of Charlie and the
0: Tortoise. And just to be clear, these are not atheist books. These are just science cool
1: exactly. books. Exactly. There are tons and tons of Christians who are theistic evolutionists and completely accept evolution and say that happened by the hand of God, this book does not challenge that. This book, most kids, you have to understand, they don't get into the biology of anyone important because biographies are boring. Mm -hmm. They just are. They're thick unless you grow up learning about someone or you're interested in where this person came from and you seek it out as an adult or a college student or a high school student for a paper. But a four-year-old, a six-year-old, they're not going to learn about Darwin. As a matter of fact, at least in the Texas school systems, guys, we're not learning about biology till somewhere between seventh and ninth grade, right. right? You're not you're not in fourth grade talking about evolution. It just does not happen. And so, this is a way to introduce the concept of scientists and that uh, people are important. And the coolest thing about these books is that these aren't fictional characters going on fictional adventures that are only in fantasy. These are real people who did real stuff changed our world, and you can do the same.
0: And And once the book ends, yeah, once the book ends, you're not done with the fantasy. You can go research and learn way more.
1: Every book ends inviting the reader to go on an adventure they would like to have to help change the world as well. So that's the the beauty of it. So if they're librarians, we want them to go back to their buyer. If they're uh, educators, we want them to push the school district to introduce this book into their curriculum. I mean, it's not a textbook, but I mean, as a a former teacher, you know, you can can take this and say, uh, we're going to read this book, and then we're going to write a paper about whatever, either it's English or science or whatever. What's that book um, that Little House on the Prairie was based after, Uh, Laura... He's a male, Laura Ingles Wilder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so my daughter would read, had to read that book for uh, um, some sort of project. Yeah, and then they did a paper about it and talked about and there's there was prayer in there, there were God stuff in there, and, and I'm thinking, okay, they read the book and it was an English thing, and that, that's what they had to do. Okay, fine. Um, why not this book? Why not read? Why not first grade? read about Charlie and the tortoise, talk about which parts were fantasy, which parts were science, how we tell the difference, and can anyone guess who Charlie was based on? No one's going to know. Then we learn about the real facts of of Charles Darwin. Why not? Whether you're a Christian or an atheist or Hindu or Muslim, Charles Darwin was a real guy. We know that. And he changed the face of science and, and what we know about biology. Let's teach kids that from four to eight. And it's the words rhyme. Uh, we have a copy for you, by the way. Sweet. Um, and, and the words rhyme. It's fun. It's easy. It's a short book. Yeah, an adult can read it in 15 to 20 minutes. And it's very,
0: very well produced. So. And when did this book come out on Amazon anyway? I don't remember the release Roughly. date. Um,
1: yeah, it was a, January or February.
0: I okay, think. so it's been out for a few months now. So you've gotten feedback then, I'm sure, from people who have checked it out. We
1: haven't. I think there was one four-star review. And I think that Son was of the, a bitch. I think that was the worst thing about it. And <laughs> what I think did that, they say? I think that problem was they said it was too short. <laughs> they wanted more information. So that's, yeah. that, that was this, it's phenomenal reviews. Um, Good. And uh, if they're a distributor that are walking up to the table, we, we want them to, to place an order. Uh, a lot of them want to do consignment and say, hey, guys, send us 10,000 books. We'll put them all over the world, right. and we'll pay you for what we sell. That's great as soon as I bump into $93,000, I'll be all <laughs> over that, right? So uh, we're trying to find that balance, and there's yeah. this whole business thing going on in the, in the background. And so we, we met some really cool people at the Expo that are really excited about helping us out. And uh, the cool thing about it is multiple distributors are interested. Um, we were approached by Smithsonian, who Sweet. came to us, asked for a meeting. Uh, myself and the author went into the meeting, and essentially what they've said is they want to license the books, Stamp the Smithsonian logo on there and distribute it to their museums all over the world. Ooh. And not only that, they want to say, now that you're under our branding, here's one of our scientists that we would like you to write a story around. Okay. So then our creative team goes back, Mario writes the story, our graphic designers, our illustrators put the thing together. I come in as a project manager and place the birds and the, the cliffs all in the right place, and we publish this. Uh, through Smithsonian and 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 print the book so that would be that's neat. that's one that's a huge opportunity for us. But then there's also all sorts of toy ideas, um, licensing opportunities. Uh, Pixar, Disney, they were there talking about potential film stuff. We uh, had a quick conversation with PBS, talking hey this could be a television series yeah. on PBS. I mean, there's all sorts of endless possibilities. It's, it's all
0: fun conversation. Stuff. And then yeah. you never know what's gonna happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh do you I'm just curious, if you're at the BEA, do you see a lot of other atheist secular publishers or people writing about that stuff? They're trying to talk about that stuff? Or is it specifically like, I'm sure it's big for fiction, because I don't know where else they would they they're usually not on C-SPAN if they're writing, you know, fictional stuff. But like what other atheist type of stuff is out there? Or do we not? participate in that sort of stuff it's just
1: it's not even talked about really it, it's um i would say the vast majority of the people who walked up once they learned that the story was about darwin they would say awesome and then they would whisper something about the crap in the school system or mm-hmm. religious something and if they dropped a bomb about being an atheist, or yeah, with Christianity taken over and roll their eyes, we'd slip them a Dogma Debate card and be like, <laughs> oh, check us out, you know? Right. Uh, but I think that was only maybe five or six people that actually got cards out of the hundreds we talked to. Um, we weren't there to, to push Dogma Debate at all. Um, but I got to tell you, being at a conference like this, I can tell you why Christians feel marginalized sometimes. Really? Because we look at them and go, guys, you dominate the world. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, the Christian the Christian publishers at these events are kind of like, yeah, yeah, just pat them on the head and go, you have a nice booth.
0: Well, because they're they're very it's a huge audience, but it's a very niche audience. And if you're working with like the secular crowd, yeah, you don't need the necessarily the Joel Osteen type books. Exactly.
1: And, And most Christians, this is mind blowing for a lot of people, most Christians don't take in Christian material. Most Christians in our country right. take in secular material all the time. When we say secular, we think what we do, right. talking about religion, talking about atheism. But secular, guess what? Starbucks is secular. Right. Coffee is secular. Bananas are secular, right? Stuff that just doesn't According involve religion. According to Ray Comfort, it, it's Christian. Uh, oh, You're right. You I'm know. sorry. Bananas was a really bad example. But
0: you're right. The, these are <laughs> secular communities, and like the Christian publishing industry may not necessarily have a place... A, right. Like, they're not going to find a lot of appeal in a place like this. Yeah, I
1: mean, there are some pretty big Christian publishers there. Yeah, But it's it's like, you, you get a feeling that you walk in and... It, I mean, L. Ron Hubbard's group was there. Uh, Eckankar, the cult, <laughs> w- was there. They had their own booth. But it's like Christianity and uh, Scientology and Eckankar. It's all lumped they're, in together. They're <laughs> all lumped in. Like, here are the weird stuff. <laughs> and everyone else, the 90-something percent of the giant publishers there... Everyone is secular. If you have a a children's book about a boy who paints a car, that is secular. That's not going to be filed. Well, the the reason
0: I bring that up is because I don't see a lot of secular publishers. I mean, I can only think of a couple offhand anyway that publish books specifically for atheists and whatnot. But um, I've been, I I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast or not, but a couple years ago, I went to a homeschooling Christian convention in Illinois. And so that crowd is all the Christian homeschoolers, and it's yeah. a big event, and they're all there. And it's the same type of thing where, yes, tables, down the, like, it seems like it stretches for miles. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's all of those super Christian books. The, we're the—us with the atheist stuff and the traditional secular has nothing to do with religion stuff— those aren't anywhere to be found in that right. area. They're right. specifically pitching the Christian books. And I'm looking through them and because I'm very curious. I know what their science books are like, but I'm kind of curious. Like, are their math books the same? What are their history books like? Ooh. And there's a slant on all of them in some way. Like, they'll find a way to work Jesus into whatever subject you want it to be. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of amazing because I had no idea it was that big like there are the here's the Christian book to teach you how to play a violin. Like they have everything <laughs> covered. It's they have a Christian okay. everything. But they have a world. So even if they don't have a place in the BEA or what have you, or at least they're not the big names there, mm-hmm. they have another place they can go and they'll be all right. Yeah. Even as a business, they'll be all right. Right. And right. I don't think we have that anywhere, it seems, because we're still no. small
1: small fries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did I will say I don't think I saw a single book with the word atheist on it. Yeah. There were no explicitly atheist publishers there. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no, you know, Pitchstone or even yeah. like that. And the people who do publish atheist books, like uh, your Perseus, your Millen, Prometheus, Prometheus yeah. they may be there, but they publish everything. They have right. Christian books, too.
0: And they have... So, like, Perseus is... Or they're publishing academic books or things that appeal to more than just atheists. There's stuff
1: there by, you know, Lawrence Krauss and Mm -hmm. and Neil deGrasse Tyson, but they're just looked at as scientists, and they just talk about their science. Religion's not really addressed, so, yeah, there's no no major focus on that. Huh. It's too bad. You got me thinking (laughs) about the math thing now. Is it, like... What's 187 divided by six? One
0: plus one plus one equals one. You know. Pray about it. <laughs> the answer is pray about it. They just work it into the description somehow. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's the math is fine, but the descriptions that they have, or the here's why you should learn stuff to glorify God, whatever. They'll find a way to work it in. That's, That's what was just fun to look through and, and uh, kind of infuriating. A Christian
1: car wash. You you wash the car to glorify God, praise yes. Jesus. Yes. It doesn't make
0: any sense. No, but will they'll find a way. <laughs> well, I'm going to have a drink up.
1: of water because <laughs> mecca, I'll,
0: I'll spike it for you later. You'll need <laughs> it. <laughs> so how is everything going with Dogma Debate? And I actually, I meant to ask you before we get to Dogma Debate. Um, last time I talked to you, we were talking about all the audiobooks you were doing. Yeah. But you guys merged, right, with Pitchstone, or you sold it off to Pitchstone? I,
1: I, I sold the publishing piece to, to Pitchstone but we stayed on as a producer for Pitchstone. So after the deal was done, um, he's the, the owner of, of Pitchstone, Kurt, said, "You know, we love the quality of the work you guys put out, so would you stay on as a as a producer? And I'm like, sure, that's, that's not a problem at all. And so we signed the deal, and we ended up producing two Vic Stenger books right after that. I, I learned more about quantum particle <laughs> physics and quantum. His mechanics. books are very long. They're very. It was the two hardest books I've ever done <laughs> in my life uh, as a as a producer or or publisher. Uh, it was very very difficult, uh, but I learned a lot. And he's he, he was a brilliant man. It was such yeah. a horrible loss. But um, I, I'll tell you, we we stayed on for that to to do the to do the production, and it's been an awesome relationship. We we love Pitchstone, um, but now we're able to focus on Dogma Debate and these Tiny Thinkers books pretty much full-time, and it's so refreshing because owning a publishing company, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but you're you're talking about (laughs) negotiating licensing deals, uh, back-and-forth emails for weeks with major publishers like Macmillan and people like that who will take weeks to respond to one email because they're one of the top nine largest publishers in the world and I'm trying to get one license from them for one book. Yeah. And then when you do get that license, now you have to pay for it, right? Right. And then you've got to produce the book and pay for the production cost, the editing, things like that. A lot of our awesome volunteers, Justin Krebs is one of them, would come in and listen to the books. Um, Alicia is one of them. Listen to the books for for uh, proofing, making sure there were no mistakes in them after the editing. Huge process, still making zero money. At this point, right. you've lost thousands of dollars. No one's bought a copy. Yet. It's not even available, right? Yeah. And then you go through the submission process, and you have to wait 20 to 60 days for Audible to approve it. <laughs> then it becomes available and it starts selling that day. Well, I'm 90 days into me forking out thousands of dollars, and it goes on sale for one day, and you're not going to get paid for that for 60 days after that money comes in, and I hope it sells, because I'm four grand deep into this one book. (laughs) And so it might take, four or five months to even break even and sometimes you never do. Sometimes you pay all all this money for a book and it turns out people just aren't interested
0: in the audio version. It's the same thing I've learned with even writing a book too. It's it's a debate I've thought about which is do I want to put myself through that again? Because I've done it a few times in different worlds. One with like a mainstream publisher, a couple times on my own and every time it's like Maybe I get paid with the real publisher. You get paid up front. Mm -hmm. Great. I I hope it sells for them. Right. The other times it's like, all right, I'm making nothing, but I hope it sells for me. Right. (laughs) And it never seems to go anywhere. And the question you have to ask is, okay, if you want to write something, I don't think people understand that if you write a book, uh, one, unless it's a crazy bestseller, you're not really making anything. Mm -mm. Two is you got to take a lot of time if you want to make this a really good book and you're probably not going to get paid whatever you think it's worth nope. for that time. And who reads books? I don't know. I, other than the people at BEA. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, yeah. I haven't met a lot of people lately who told me they read XYZ Atheist Book. Mm-hmm. And not compared to what it used to be. And now if they're looking to scratch that itch, I want to learn about atheism. I want to learn about whatever topic it is, at least that our community tends to be involved in, They'll, they'll do it through a different medium. Podcasts. podcast, blog, whatever, YouTube. YouTube yeah. Whatever, yeah. So they're not necessarily buying the books. So, you know, I've seen some really good ones in the mm-hmm. past year or two. But in the back of my head, I'm like, I don't know how many people are reading it. I don't think it's affecting. There, There's always a handful. Th- they're being used now for reference books. So what's happening is you
1: watch the video... You find out, okay, there's this there's this thing going on about Mormons. Where, yeah. where can I find more information about that? Okay, David Fitzgerald wrote this really good book about Mormons. It's called Complete Heretics Guide to Western yeah. Religion. You find that book, Book One, The Mormons, you put it on your shelf, <laughs> and then when someone argues with you about Mormonism, you go, wait a minute. Flip, yeah. flip, 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 flip. Here's what this says on this page. And I heard about this on the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Right. That's <laughs> that's, that's really wall- what these books
0: are being used for. So which says a couple things. One is no one's actually reading them. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Like, maybe as a reference, yes. Or very few people are reading them. But two, that it's a long process to get into the hands. Because, again, like, to use yeah. the example you just did, they didn't just buy the book. They went through another source first. Right. And then, oh, that looks like an interesting place to learn a little more stuff. Well, it's
1: also so, good to make sure people can consume the data in multiple different medium. Yeah. And, and, and so that's where... That's where the audiobook, the Kindle versions, the e-readers—all of that stuff comes into play. Yeah. And when when I sold uh, atheist audiobooks, we had sold uh, I think a total of twenty-seven thousand units. Yeah. Through just just my titles, so th- there's people definitely people downloading and listening to which the is audio. also
0: a different medium as well—the audiobook thing, which right. is also different. Yeah.
1: yeah. But so, it's so, cool. so from that perspective all of the waiting on the on the money to come yeah. in and then out of that then you have to take this is brandy's favorite part once all the the money does come in now a percentage of each one of those sales goes to our author, authors right and i'm proud to say there 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 were times where we paid out Thirty dollars or $40,000 to secular independent authors. That is we neat. were able to put that money into the secular community because they were getting such a big cut of whatever profits were coming in. And it felt really good. We were taking our part of the money, sure. putting it back into more licenses, creating right. more titles, more production. But it felt good to know we were writing checks for forty dollars or $50,000 a year, and people were able to start making some sort of living yeah. off of being an author because of what we were doing. All of that stuff, though, very complicated. Very time consuming. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about customer support. Hey, this report was off by six books. What's going on? <laughs> right. You overpaid me. Or we would send money to people and they just wouldn't cash the check. <laughs> they just wouldn't cash for six months. They just wouldn't cash the check. I the know America
0: ca- has a money problem. That's not the oh one I was my thinking. Gosh, yeah. no, no. no.
1: They, we'd send check after check after check, then they wouldn't cash them. All the money would come back into our account. They cashed all of them. And then they would say, we'd get a call and go, hey, I never got your check. We sent you (laughs) seven (laughs) checks. Oh, now you owe me $3,000. I'd like that now, please. Uh What is wrong with you? Cash your damn checks. So all of that now is on uh, Pitchstone. And they, I got to tell you, when I redid the strategy of Secular Media Group, I, I sat down with some very important people that I have a lot of respect for and asked questions. And one thing I kept getting was, focus on what you can be the best in the world at. I'm not going to get in the atheist t shirt business that's not what I'm good at, mm-hmm. right and I realized I was publishing, and I'm not going to be the best in the world at audio publishing. I think I'm up there when it comes to producing an audiobook so why am i why am I battling some of the most talented publishers in the world? I don't want to fight them. I want to join with them, so I want to get out of the publishing side of audio. I will be your producer. I realized Kurt from Pitchstone Publishing is a far more capable individual when it comes to handling those contracts, handling that publishing. He's done it for years longer. This is you, bud. You take this. I'll be one of your producers. Now I produce the content. He pays me to produce the content, and the content is his. Yeah. So now we are one of his you know, producing arms. But, yeah, I'm, I'm out of that, that side of it. And like you said – the physical copies of actual atheist books, I don't know how people are doing it. Kids' books, totally different story. Parents love to hold kids' books, read books to kids. The kids love to pick it up, run around the house with it. Totally different story. People so, aren't doing, so like,
0: Kindle kids' books? They are. They are, absolutely. Are they?
1: Absolutely, and we are, too. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's This one's not available yet on Kindle for yeah. a certain reason. Um, the simple version of Kindle is you just make it a, basically a, a, an e-reader PDF version of it. It's very flat, very simple. They've been working on a Kindle... uh, What do they call it? Uh, Something like a a kid's kids book creator
0: Uh so that it's
1: interactive. So now you can tap certain characters, windows pop up, audio files can play, and they just released that. Yeah, Yeah, they just released that. So... I'm glad we didn't yet, because if we'd already released it in that version, then you have to update it and right. take stuff down. And so, yeah, we're, we're about to launch a whole new version of
0: this book in an interactive
1: nice. I didn't even
0: version. mean to ask you, like, are you going to do it? I meant to say, like, I didn't even. I can't even imagine kids reading a Kindle. I know they play on iPads and stuff when they're, like, really small now, but, like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a parent reading to a kid on a Kindle.
1: Oh, well, you can actually sync up the audiobook with the e-reader version and have a kid touch the text like maybe he can read it on his own first yeah and then touch the text and it will read it to him nice then he's seeing if he got the words right or whatever this makes parenting so much better (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's what that's what we've been up to man and that's awesome dogma debates doing great uh we have an interview coming up. actually our last show was just audio of us being at a protest over this whole transgender bathroom debacle yeah and and one of our towns close by our house uh tried that craziness and so we went and protested and, and we ended up on the cover of the Dallas Morning News <laughs> uh Brandy holding this giant pink sign uh what did your sign say Come here say that It wasn't about the water fountains in the 60s and it's not about the bathrooms yeah bathrooms today. now today yeah, yeah today yeah, comparing right.
0: It's comparing it to segregation. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so that ended up on the cover of the Dallas Morning News. And um, ultimately, I mean, I'll, I'll let your listeners go go check out Dogma. We'll Monday. have a link to that. Yeah, yeah. cool. And so uh, there's tons of audio. I don't want to spoil and tell them what happened, but uh, we won, uh, which is really yeah. rare, very rare. Spoiler alert there. <laughs> we we um, totally kicked butt. And, and uh, so many people, we weren't even allowed to talk because we're not residents of the city but a huge LGBT activist group showed up and people spoke. it has got to feel nice. Well, here, here's the thing. A lot of people did a lot of work. We stayed there for four hours. Uh, our daughter was with us as well, Talisa, and she was running around chanting, holding signs. It was so cool <laughs> to see her involved in that process. But I got I to gotta tell you, the, the heroes to me in that were not only the members of the LGBT community that got up and spoke, addressing the city council, in front of their peers and neighbors
0: yeah.
1: having to say their address into a microphone
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's now going to go out on the internet right. and say, th- say where they live, who they are, say that they are transgender and this is why this is important to me. Tho- those are the heroes and, and heroines, heroines of that situation. But I have to give a lot of credit to the conservative Christian Rockwall City Council. The mayor himself was pushing for this. He Pushing for? Pushing for the ordinance to be passed that you have to go into the bathroom that matches your birth certificate. Okay. Um, the community of Rockwall emailed all of the city council members, and l- city council member after city council member would say, you know, when I first saw this ordinance, I agreed with it because I want to keep our women and children safe. But you'd hear it in these Southern draw voices of these guys (laughs) in a small town in Texas. And they're saying, now, I I heard this ordinance and I thought, yeah, I want to keep my mama safe. And then they'd go. But then I did some research and uh, this just is not enforceable. And you hear these these Southern accents. (laughs) using logic and it's almost like an episode of no religion required where you hear these (laughs) Southern draws making a lot of sense. it's so cool. And, and conservative
0: liberal redneck videos. Yes. I love that guy. That guy's awesome.
1: I love it. So, so it's, it's, it's Republican after Republican making sense Yeah, going guys, we're supposed to be for smaller government. We're telling people where to pee and poop. Right. Like that's an actual line. So we have audio from these guys talking. And at the end, um, Two council members, one council member gets into an argument with the mayor, and they're fighting over it, and some cuss words are dropped, and it's just, it's awesome (laughs) watching this happen, and in the end, the mayor didn't even get a, a second motion. Wow. for it to be up for vote. He was by himself. Completely by himself, <laughs> bright red in the face, looking completely ridiculous. It was on the news. I mean, it, it's such a huge win for, for the secular community, for the LGBT community. If it
0: can happen in Texas, I don't care where. And, and that's kind of why we did it. Yeah. we
1: did, That's why we did the show, to say, here's a formula. Here are the people that talk. Like, Hilton came and spoke. Like, we're one of the biggest... Uh, retailers in your or in your city, you you need us here. Yeah, we pay seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year in property tax. That's going to go away. We're not going to put up with this. Mm-hmm. And it was there was an economic angle, there was a community angle, there was an equality angle. There was an attorney that spoke out and said, "I'm right now offering up my services for free to the first person who wants to sue you." <laughs> Huge yeah. cheers, right? And and
0: you know, by the way, that the Christian right groups also say the same thing to the city council, that if you get sued, uh, uh, we got you covered, except what they don't say is when you lose... Oh, they'll say we'll provide services for free as well. What they don't say is when you lose, oh, you're on your own for paying <laughs> the other side. They never tell you that. <laughs> so it's one of the things that frustrates me every time, because it seems like when these... Uh, I write a lot about football coaches at schools that uh, yeah. push their religion on the students, and they're like, no, 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 it's okay. We can pray on the field because, you know, First uh, Liberty Council, just any mashup of family and American and sure. council, yep. it's a Christian group. Mm-hmm. They say they got my back. They have no idea that when you lose the case, which always happens, you have to pay the other side's attorney's <laughs> fees. That's from the school district. That's They're not covering that. Right, right. <laughs> It's so infuriating every it time. Is. But it yeah. is, I mean, this is one of the things, when you go to a city council meeting where they're discussing something so, it's such an easy moral issue, mm-hmm. and they're, whatever, botching it. And we see the same thing with, like, uh, people reading certain books in school districts, or they're trying to censor certain books or whatever. And you see people come out and speak, like you're saying, and it's like, oh, that's so inspiring that someone's willing to stand up. And some of them are really young and some of them you're like, I know you probably don't speak in public a lot, but holy crap, that was an amazing, yeah. heartfelt speech you just gave. Yeah, absolutely. That's there were, really and there thing. were
1: some some physical things that happened. Like there was a, a trans man there and he um, there was an argument going on. People were yelling back and forth at one point about um, about the situation, and someone, I don't know if it was me or someone in the crowd, I, I forget, there was, some, there was a lot of yelling, um, someone said, and I know I said this several times, I think I said mine outside, though, someone said something like, you don't understand that if you pass this ordinance, you will force men to go into women's restrooms. <laughs> like, you don't realize it, because trans men uh-huh. will now technically have to, because their birth certificate says female, they're gonna, f- and that's what you don't want, right? And that's what this was going sent, on. I mean,
0: people were posting pictures on Twitter or Instagram saying, "Hey, I'm in a men's bathroom right now, and mm-hmm. I don't look like a man, but this is what you want, exactly. isn't it?" And vice versa.
1: Exactly. There was one where this trans man, hairy arms, tattoos, cowboy hat, yeah. taking a selfie with women behind him in the restroom. This is what you want, North Carolina. This is what you want, (laughs) Rockwall, Texas. And at one point during that argument, a trans man stood up and said, let me show you what it looks like. And he walked into the women's restroom. (laughs) And before he shut the door, he said, uh, my birth certificate says female. And slammed the door. And at one point during a break, I went and stood in front of the men's restroom. And I said, uh, I need to see your birth certificate, please. (laughs) Well. You find out in the audio, birth certificates are are protected as a confidential document.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Police officer asking for your license, you have to show that. Yeah. Police officer asking for your insurance, your registration, you have to show that. You do not have to show anyone your birth certificate. It's protected for up to 50 years after your
0: death. Wow.
1: So... How the hell are you going to enforce me showing my birth certificate to a cop? Yeah, and I asked who are po- you
0: to tell me what you are <laughs> exactly.
1: I, I asked a police officer who was there. He's standing there, like full full on marine. I mean, this dude was jarhead one hundred percent. He's standing there, his chest out, his arms are folded. He's just standing there with no expression on his face. And I walk up to him. Like you see people messing with those like you know British guards or whatever. I walk up and I'm like, so how do you feel about that? <laughs> he's like. Uh, you find me out of uniform, sir, I'll be happy to <laughs> give you my opinion. And I'm like, um, I was like, okay, so uh, cop question for you. <laughs> what happens when you get a call that uh, someone thinks that, I don't know, a masculine female happens to be in a stall? Right. What are you going to do? Are you going to ask her to come out? And he's just looking straight ahead, and I was like, are you going to ask to see your genitalia? You gonna ask to see the birth certificate? He kind of giggles for a second and he's like, "I I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I would do." And I'm like, "Well, I mean, if it's an actual situation, what? Think about it." He's like, um, "He just goes, look, I I can't have an opinion on this stuff." (laughs) And then he leans over and goes,
0: "Thank you for what you're doing."
1: (laughs) And I thought, okay, I'm letting this guy off the hook. You know, it was really cool. So that's that's it's just. But it's an
0: interesting question because even if he was on the other side. He I don't know what he would answer yeah. either. And it's kinda like the uh, the old abortion question, like, all right, you want abortion to be outlawed, what should the punishment be? And yeah. how many people can't answer it because they don't have an how answer. How many years they of haven't thought time. through it. Yeah. 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 It's just one or of those you, like or, it or sounds you... good, but I don't know how I would actually implement this. And the
1: Republicans are going, Oh, I know, we can cane them. Oh no. <laughs> That's too much like Sharia law. Right you know you're <laughs> you're you're forcing this thing to happen, so
0: it is infuriating it
1: is and it's so it's crazy that they don't realize it, most of it's just ignorance, and that's what we we come, come came to realize is that it's just ignorance they think in their mind, a trans man is me. Putting on a wig and high heels. Oh, and I know. Walking
0: into a women's restroom. That you could switch it on and off. Right. And right. that it's comparable to. Oh well, I'm a 76 year old woman now because that's what liberals are saying. That's, right.
1: You don't get it. Starting on Wednesdays, I'm going to be a couch. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they. That's what they <laughs> compare it to. Yeah. But you're going to just that, that. That's not. It's a complete misunderstanding. And the 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 hopeful this is one thing the, for me. Yeah. Is that they did research and went. I changed my mind after reading on this for about 30 minutes. This is ridiculous.
0: This is one of the most interesting things. because, Like you, I-, I always enjoy talking to people who are willing to have a conversation, even if we disagree about things. But when they're coming from the premise that doesn't make any sense, that they just don't get the situation, it's like we can't have this conversation because you just you're starting in a place that makes no sense at all. Now we can't have this conversation. Now we're just talking past each other, and it sounds like cable you know, news shows. I, I, I have to
1: tell you, that's where I, I I want that to be my niche. Yeah. I want to take people who most people feel like you can't even start the conversation, mm-hmm. which I think Bogosian would call them uh, pre-contemplatives. Okay. You can't even contemplate the idea or thought of them potentially being wrong. What he calls it in his book is uh, they can't sit at the adult table. <laughs> they have to sit at the kids' table. I disagree with him on that. I want to go to the kids' table. If he wants to put them at the kids' table, yeah. do it. I'll sit with them at the kids' table, and I I find that to be the challenge. That's what, that's what I think is so fun I about just, it.
0: I just posted this the other day on the website. Uh, Anthony Magnabosco is someone who does a lot of the, the mm-hmm. Peter Boghossian street epistemology stuff. Right. All he's do- he's not trying to convert you. He's just like, hey, let me ask you how do you come to your conclusions about your beliefs, whatever mm-hmm. they are. You know, how do you know this is true? Yep. Uh, do you really believe this stuff and why? And I'm not pushing you any way. I just want to throw these questions at you. And the interesting video that he just posted is here's a guy I talked to in 2014 – lobbed these questions his way, five minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it was, they never saw each other again, like, because that's how it works. But he did post the video online, Anthony did, and that was the end of it, like, all right, that was that guy. Uh, Anthony even told me, he's like, I didn't like how I sounded in that video, but I'll put it out there, and that's what it went like. And then he got contacted by that guy, like, more than a year later. Uh, By the way, I should say, when Anthony talked to him the first time, he asked him, like, Do you believe in God? Uh, Zero, no. Ten, yes. Where are you in this? Ten. hundred percent, I believe in God. And then just, okay, so how do you know these things? Whatever. All the basic questions about how do you come to your decision. That guy reached out to Anthony recently and said, hey, after we had that conversation, months later, I started doing my own research on the matter, and I started reading up on it. And a lot of the questions you asked me, I kind of saw responses from other atheists that he was looking up. Like you don't know this stuff is true. Here's what other religions have to say, but you know you dismiss that really quickly. Whatever it was, he he listened to that. He's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And basically, the point of the point of that whole conversation is that it didn't happen when they first talked. They just talked, walked away. No one changed their minds, but the seeds were planted. Absolutely. And over a year later, this guy's like, I'm an atheist now, and he's he wanted to reach out to Anthony to tell him that. And Anthony's like, I'm gonna grab my camera, I'll be right back. Oh, <laughs> so I wanna cool. I wanna hear what happened here because like he wants to improve himself. So tell me what I did that worked. Let's watch our conversation from two years ago yeah. and let's talk about this. But that's that's the sort of the thing that you would it would be really nice if when we're talking to someone you disagree with, you could at least all come to a conclusion that, okay, uh I've talked on this podcast before and on the website and get, I get shit for it every time, but I find it a really interesting conversation with people who are pro-life atheists. Mm -hmm. And it's always interesting because they're not using religious arguments to make their case. So you would think on the surface, if anyone were to convince me, that I should be pro-life. It would be these people because they have secular argument and I listen to their arguments and I'm like, that, that still doesn't make any sense to me, (laughs) but, but go for it. Like I'm, I'm listening. Tell me what you got and none of it really, uh, none of it hits, but it's an interesting sort of thing. And if you could find a way to convince them to like, no, just let me, here are the facts. Hopefully we agree on those and just take that with you. And I would like to think reasonable people, who look at the facts would come to whatever that conclusion is.
1: Yeah. And we, we can't make the mistake to assume that because someone's an atheist, that they're reasonable. No, that's we've, I, I, your inbox probably looks a little bit like mine. (laughs) Um, and, and I'll, I'll say that, uh, that's why it is so important that you have a a civil diplomatic or Socratic approach Mm -hmm. to believers. And, and I'm actually, I'm actually giving a talk in Little Rock, uh, on the 16th, uh, for the free thought society of Little Rock. Um, or, Free Thought Society of Arkansas, anyway, um, that a lot of times when you get angry, you're in the middle of a conversation and you're talking with a Christian, and you feel like you're banging your head against a wall, and you start getting angry at them. I think your anger is really at yourself because what you've done is you've set this impossible Sort of expectation that you're going to deconvert them immediately <laughs> because they're going to. You're coming to. Uh, How do you um, still
0: believe in God? Yeah, and you oh. get angry
1: and like, come yeah. on, listen to me. Well, are you angry at them or are you angry because you've set this unreasonable expectation and now you're failing and you're like, no, we've only got nine minutes left. Yeah, I, my bus is leaving. You have got to pay attention to me, mm-hmm. right? That's really what it is. You're not. You're not going to deconvert them if you walk up with a with a focus to deconvert that person right then. A few things are going to happen. One, you're going to fail. You're going to get angry about it. Then you're going to think these conversations are pointless. That's not what you're there to do. You're there to plant the seeds. And then not only that, you want to be a safe place for them to come back to, to ask questions. If every time you went to your father to ask a question, he snapped snapped at you and said, (laughs) well, not you specifically, the the listener mostly, Um, uh, he snapped at you and called you an idiot. Yeah. Even if you had a valid question for him, you're not going to go to no. him. He's gonna, you don't, nobody wants that verbal abuse. Well, uh, so.
0: There was a wonderful article. I forgot when it was. It was either a few months ago or something. Adrian Chen in The New Yorker, where he basically talked about... I forgot her name. But she was like one of the daughters of the Westboro Baptist Church people. And she eventually left. I mean, she escaped the hell out of there. And I don't even know if she's an atheist now, but she's probably close to it. But basically, he... This reporter's like, how did you change your mind from Westboro Baptist Church, God hates all these people, whatever, to this? And she said she was the one in the Westboro Baptist Church that did all their Twitter stuff. Like, she was kind of their social media person. Mm-hmm. And she said someone basically just reached out to her and didn't treat her like an asshole. They're just like, where are you getting this from? And it started from, like, these public messages to each other. And she's shouting back at them, doing whatever it is she does. It moved to the DM, so it's more private conversation. But she was actually having the conversation with this random guy. And I think she said, like, that was kind of it. Like, he started nudging me in that direction to the point where she left. Now,
1: imagine if that message was, you're a lunatic. Right. Or It feels good,
0: but you're not getting anywhere with it.
1: You believe in... Santa Claus for grown-ups. Yeah, it's not. It, it may be therapeutic for you because yes. you feel like you got beat <laughs> up by religion, right. and you want to beat up religion for your own therapy. I don't know that vengeance is okay. I understand it. <laughs> it's not my not right. my thing. Uh, think about how effective that's going to be. And that's another thing I, I mentioned in the talk: is it's okay to be angry, right? Angry anger is a feeling. Yeah. Have that anger. Don't try to Let tell that yourself that fear you. is not real. Let it inspire you. Great, but but. Ask yourself: Is that is angry behavior going to be productive to your end result? Yeah.
0: How many times have you changed your mind because someone yelled at you? It doesn't happen. It doesn't Or called happen. you names or right. whatever. Don't be a dick. Whatever that. Right. That there's motto to be honest. Is. There's
1: a very very small population that that works with. Right. The, when, when you probably not the majority, him, but for close.
0: most people, yeah, if someone says you're an idiot and here's why. I mean, I have I watch Fox News a lot because I want to know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm never thinking, yeah, that's convincing because <laughs> oh, they're talking down to you. And I'm sure it goes the other way, too. Yeah. But that's the thing. If you want to change someone's mind, it's probably not going to happen that way. And by the way, are you going going to the Reason Rally? I am. I'm actually the MC for the comedy show. Excellent. So... This is one of the things that's come up in the past few weeks, which is that Ray Comfort and a a ministry of I don't know how many people. They're looking for volunteers and stuff to be out there. They will be there. There will be Christians there who will have their signs, I'm sure, who will be there trying to convince you to check out the Bible because apparently atheists have never looked at it. But they're going to be there. (laughs) So the question is, and this is here's what I'm worried about. I'm not worried that they're going to be convincing. I am worried that atheists are going to see it, and they'll get pissed off, and they'll get angry. And now, instead of in their hometown, now they're surrounded by a mob of atheists. And I kind of worry, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen when people are yelling at each other, and they're close to... It happens all the time.
1: It happens all the time, and and here's what's going to happen. Unfortunately, there's going to be a time where where you walk up to someone, like a Ray Comfort, and you say... um, how do you reconcile uh, a loving God uh, with First Samuel fifteen three, where He commands Saul to murder infants and nursing nursing babies, and when He stumbles on that problem, is like, yeah, that's something you know we all deal with, and it's a peaceful, loving conversation. Mm-hmm. It might get a thousand views on YouTube, right. but someone else is going to be screaming, "You're a fucking <laughs> moron!" That's going to have a right. million hits. And it's going to be funny, Mm -hmm. and then it misrepresents the atheist uh, behavior, and it plays into this whole, gosh, these guys are so angry at God, you know? And so, and
0: you know there are going to be people with signs that are going to be seen on social media, too. And the funnier the sign, the more dickish you are with the sign. Yep, And not only that,
1: and Ray Comfort's been known for sticking a mic in someone's face, asking questions, and then going to the editing bay and making (laughs) you look like a complete ass. And if you think... That's not possible. If you think you're smart enough to word it in such Mm -hmm. a way, go listen to the Herd Mentality podcast with uh, Adam Reeks. He takes all kinds of people, including Ray Comfort, out of context, has a fake interview with him based on things they said, and it is hilarious yeah. the things he can get you to say. He's done one about me before, just a pick on me, and some of the stuff he has me saying, I'm like, how is this even possible? <laughs> so, you know, some people may want to stay away from Ray. I'm going to seek out Ray. <laughs> I would love to talk to him.
0: You will get um, a $25 Subway gift card, I heard. Fantastic. Yeah.
1: That's great. Yeah, They're just coming <laughs> there to love the hell out of us. I know. You know, that's it. They're loving the <laughs> hell right out of us. I, I would love to talk to Ray. I think I've talked to him one time and didn't realize it was him. I've emailed before. with him.
0: He's very nice. I bet I'm he is. not joking. He's I've, super nice online. I bet, is. I bet Kirk Cameron is too. I'm sure he is too. I know. Um, I got to tell you,
1: when I had a great conversation with Cy 10 Brugencade before yeah. he went on stage to debate Matt. I was, <laughs> I was moderating the debate. He walks in, he's in flip flops. He's chewing gum, offered me a piece of gum, had his shorts on, and uh, he sits down. We're doing sound check, and he looks over at me and he goes, so why do you hate God? And we both start laughing. And he's yeah. like, just messing with you, Smalley. And he hits me on the shoulder. Such a nice guy. That so sounds- cool. And then he goes and puts on the suit.
0: Right. And it's Turns like he into transformed
1: into this... Like now he's captain asshole and has yeah. to do this bravado and this talking over people and calling them names.
0: And I'm just like, this is one of the reasons Dude. I wanted to start this podcast, which is that, yeah, you see that side of a lot of people. And I can talk to a lot of those people, I'm sure, and have these interviews and stuff. Um, but what's more fun is just having this conversation mm-hmm. uh, when it is kind of face to face and you can actually just get to know them a little bit. Yeah. Sometimes it happens when I'm not recording it or something. And it's, it's, I mean, I have, there's some podcasts I've done with people I totally disagree with. And then I just, we went out like for drinks or whatever, or, you know, uh, I saw him in a different situation, no recording, nothing public, like whatever, let's get drinks, we'll talk. And I'm sure this has happened to you too. They are so nice. They're yeah. fun to talk to. You can have a nice debate and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, I wish that was recorded. But they're really nice. You know who I really like, who's on my show a lot, and my fans
1: hate him now, Yeah, uh, is Blake Jenta. Who is that? Blake is a guy. He was a college student when I met him. He asked a question at a Pete Boghossian talk that I went to in Dallas Uh, I I told Brandy I was like I want that guy on the show so she went up and grabbed him and said we'd like to have you on Dogma Debate he came on and that sort of launched his apologetic career. He's now, he's been on my show like five times. He's debated Matt Dillahoney three times or twice, and now he's got his, he's got his whole website and everything else. This, this so you're the reason thing.
0: these people are converting to Jesus.
1: Yes, yeah, somehow. Now I'm <laughs> responsible for Christians or something. Um, but I he was already in apologetics courses under yeah. like a, um, a William Lane Craig type, you know, reasonable faith type subgroup or something. So he was already headed that direction, but he sort of used Dogma debate as his launching That's pad for, for Christianity. Christianity. Christianity, and I got to tell you, he says some... He says some things in studio that will make you so angry. Yeah. Well, he once equated uh, homosexuals to pedophiles. Yeah. Just uh, just like, well, they are pedophiles. Abs- and wait a minute, what do you mean? No, pedophiles are homosexuals, after all. If a man <laughs> goes after a little boy, he's going after a boy with a penis, therefore... Hashtag logic. And, right, and so yeah. I, it's so infuriating, but I stay calm, and I yeah. go, do you see how that could be very offensive? Do you know the statistics? Do you realize how wrong you are? Do you understand the biology of pedophiles? Horrible. When the mics go off and we go to Denny's, yeah, he's one of the nicest guys <laughs> you'll ever talk to. He's caring, he's loving. He's got a great family. He's got a brother, and they're, they're, they'll come hang out with you. They're they're awesome people, and it's so hard to wrap your head around how can you be so loving and, and so friendly and then say something so horrific about a group of people you know very little about? Right, what you call love is judgmental bigotry and you don't even realize
0: it. Have you had this problem because I have had this problem recently, which is I have reached out to so many people through private channels people who are just like that, who I'm like, I would like to talk to you. I know you live near me. Like, we can do this. It would not be hard. Um, I'll come out to wherever you are. We'll do this. And it is so hard to get them to say yes. And I've gotten so close so many times, but ultimately they will find an excuse not to do it. And I think part of it is be- not because they think I'm going to convince them or whatever. No one thinks they're wrong about anything. But I think it's because, like, I don't know, they think being humanized or something is not... They they will let their guard down, maybe. I don't know what they're worried about. But it's, it's frustrating because I'm like, no, just talk to me about where you're coming from, from some of this stuff. Because... I make fun of you on the side all the time. The things you say <laughs> are batshit crazy. Yeah. But go ahead, make your case. We will actually talk about it. I'm not going to run away. It's not like I'm writing the post and I'm done when I want to be done. It's we'll have a conversation and we won't, we won't stray from the topic until we feel it's ready. And I feel like that seems like something they would want to do. And then man, I've asked so many people and they've just either not responded or said no flat out. Let, let me
1: give you one little hint yeah. that I use and I, I get them a lot is uh, the Bible, uh, 1 Peter 3.15. So what I'll say to them is, hey, would you like to come on the show, talk about your faith? And they're like, no, 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 no. And sometimes they'll either flat out say no, or they'll use a Bible verse, oh, you can't cast pearls before a <laughs> swine type thing. And I'll say, well, you know, First Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to offer a defense for <laughs> your faith, but do so with gentleness and respect. So even if they do it and they're nasty about it, I call them on the respect side. And if they refuse to talk to me, I say, so you're being anti-biblical? You're not going to... Uh, <laughs> Offer a defense for your faith? You you know, I have a largely secular audience. What if God has sent me to talk to you <laughs> so that you could have a microphone to talk to thousands of this atheists? This is the
0: boat God is sending you in the flood. Absolutely. <laughs> this could be it. And so something like that happened. I
1: almost say I duped her into I, <laughs> I i this A Christian grandma somehow followed me on Twitter. I don't know how we got connected exactly. Um, and she started responding to my tweets, and we were talking about hell and punishment and... She's like I just love people. I love everyone. And she had this idea that secular people are automatically selfish. She used to be selfish and she found Jesus and now she loves other people. So obviously, if you don't have Jesus, you're a selfless jerk right, or selfish right. jerk. And so uh, I just kept asking her, come on. She's like, I'm not a professional. I'm not an apologist. I don't like that's why I want you on. Yeah. My audience is sick of hearing every William Lane Craig wannabe come on and spit out all these potential theodicies and list off 11 philosophers that agree with them. Let's talk to a real human being with real life experience who is a grandma. Nobody wants to tell her grandma they're an atheist. Let, <laughs> let me let me tell someone else's grandma I'm an atheist. She finally agreed to come on, and so that that show is actually the show before last. So yeah. the, the the transgender protest episode is two thirty seven. 236 is actually called Christian Grandma versus David Smalley. <laughs> oh my God. Uh and it's it was a blast. She's That's a wonderful, awesome. wonderful woman.
0: Those are fun. I I I know I've said on this show before that I'm like, we were we've been trying to get those guests. Because it's not fun necessarily when it's like, all right, I'll talk to an atheist. We'll just agree about everything and they'll yeah. be. I've it's fine. I enjoy it, but it's more interesting sometimes when it's just someone that. This is not a situation I would normally be in where I'm talking to someone that I totally disagree with. We're not in the same circles, whatever. That's so much more interesting, but it's really hard to get people to agree to do that.
1: It is. It is. And I think it's, it's really hard, too, when you have more than one conversation with the same person because you will talk to them. You will ask them a question. They'll say, wow, I don't have an answer for that. I struggle with that okay let them off the hook sure yeah don't don't keep drilling into that let them off the hook and say it's okay look the the quickest way to get my listeners on your side is to say I don't know yeah. or I'm willing to look into that fine show Fantastic. some damn vulnerability yeah and that's another thing they're afraid to say I don't know yeah. so if you tell them ahead of time look the best answer you could possibly give me is I don't know that's how you gain respect that takes their fears away yeah. they're like oh wait You mean I could say, I don't know, and that's a good thing? Absolutely.
0: This isn't, I don't know if this is the same thing, but this is where my mind went. People are afraid of admitting they're wrong, especially when it's public or something. But people have uh, criticized Hillary Clinton for saying, like, oh, I support gay rights and whatever. And they're saying, oh, but it's political expedience and stuff. You weren't there Uh, whatever, 8, 10, 12 years ago when we needed... Whatever it was, 20 years ago when we needed you, you were against it then, so now you are... And people are mad at her for flip-flopping on this issue because she wasn't there the whole time. It's like, yes, people change their mind. She is exactly where you want her to be, So what are you going to do? Are you going to be mad that she changed her mind and now she's there?
1: Emmett, congratulations. I think we found something we disagree about. Okay. Um, Because I'm not, and I think that's a misunderstanding. I I don't think that anyone's mad at her for that. I think when you look at her and compare her with Bernie, who she's actually running against right now, not Trump, no matter how much she wants you to believe that. She's running against Bernie right now. Um, When you compare her with him she is looked at as leading from behind. Yes. He has been a visionary for 30 or 40 years. I totally agree so with that's you. My, that's my... I voted for thing. him in the primary, too,
0: by the way. Yeah. Yeah, he has been. He, no one. I'm, I'm not doubting that at all. But I think this goes to the heart of like, okay, yes, she flip-flopped or changed her mind. Maybe she really did evolve on the issue or whatever buzzword they want to use that makes it politically okay or whatever. So the question is, is this an argument liberals should be using against her? Like, yes, she led from behind on the issue... Or do you say, whatever, she's here now, and she's doing the right thing, and again, I'm not doing this to argue politics, but I am saying, for people who change their mind on these issues, it is so tempting to to play gotcha with people when you're arguing with them or debating with them, saying... Look, I caught you in a mistake. Or yeah. they say I don't know. Oh, look, you admitted you don't know. Yeah, like, no, that's no. the
1: worst thing you don't can do. Don't be
0: mad at them for that. No. They they deserve credit
1: for that. You want to celebrate that? Yeah. Absolutely. And and I I fully embrace and appreciate Hillary finally catching up to the rest of America right. and saying that. I do. I appreciate that, and I applaud that. I think we're on the
0: same page with that. Yeah, by the way.
1: yeah. And but but a lot of times when when the Bernie supporter gets online and says. But she was against gay marriage. She supported DOMA. Yeah. and, and the, the Hillary supporter or skeptic thinker or whatever sees that and goes, wow, they're mad at her for changing her mind. No, that's a misunderstanding. That's a misinterpretation of the comment. The comment is not angry at her for changing her mind.
0: It's for not being there when... It's, it's when you
1: compare her to Bernie, yeah. she's behind. He's been a visionary. When you yeah. look at her history, she is behind the majority of America. She's behind history and then you look at Bernie getting arrested in the what sixties, yeah, seventies like for protesting segregation. He was actually on the yeah. front lines fighting it, and she's up there saying stuff about DOMA and super predators and things like right. that. So that's that's that issue. And then the whole finance thing, where she won't release her transcripts, and <laughs> he's like, okay, mine, I release them. They're right. done. You know, to me, I don't, I don't. I, I've loved Obama. I think Obama's done a, 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 de- a decent job, a better job than any Republican would have done. Not a perfect president by any stretch, but we also don't know what he has to deal with behind the scenes. Sure. Like the whole Guantanamo Bay thing. He's like, well, I'm going to close it. I'm going to close it. Day one, they whisper one thing into his ear, and he's like, yeah, I can't close it. <laughs> we don't know. Right. We don't know what's going on. But I will say, uh, I, I'd have never been mad at her for changing her mind. I celebrate that. I applaud that. I don't even get into assuming to know why she changed her mind. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's politically expedient or Oh, Bernie is the reason she's going more left. Now I've seen her change just in this campaign on a couple of things and he's pulled her more left and then he's publicly congratulated her on stage (laughs) for finally agreeing (laughs) with something. And then she puts a caveat in there and goes, as long as this gets done. And he goes, ah, you know, I watched those debates like a hawk. I live tweeted them. I've been following this thing very closely. I've never, I've never been upset with her for that. Uh, But at the end of the day, when you compare her with Bernie, he has been a visionary for years. And if he was a visionary on gay marriage, if he was a visionary on segregation, if he was a visionary on the Panama Papers, and you go line after line after line where he was ahead of the curve, that's a leader we need to get behind because there's gonna be stuff that we don't know about yet, and I want the guy who's been on the right side of history before it was politically popular. That's why I supported Bernie.
0: Let me ask you a different question. Uh, just because I know this has been controversial in uh, politics and atheism, too. Jamie Raskin, congressional candidate. He won the primary. He is running for Congress. So how many people are running for Congress? Like, we're talking about a 1,000 people total in the country who are running for Senate, Congress, and actually have a lit— they're on the ballot. They have a shot at this. Um, The understanding was this is the one guy running for that office— who may actually be an atheist. And then the Washington Post last week comes out with an article that says uh, he's backing away from that label. He's like, I'm 100% Jewish. I never said I was an atheist. I think those are both like direct quotes. Um, and basically, the argument, the American Human Association, which worked with Raskin and endorsed him through their lobbying group and everything, they basically said uh, he didn't actually say, I don't believe in, or I do believe in God or anything. He's basically a secular Jew. He doesn't use the word atheist to describe himself. Uh, and Raskin even said, well, no one's ever asked me in a political context, and I would not answer in a political context or something. So here's, here's where I'm going with this. It seems like we have a guy running for office who is an atheist. Uh, he seems to agree with it. He signed a paper that said he is non-theistic, though that's kind of in fine print. Uh, but he's not coming out and saying, I'm an atheist. He's not coming out and saying, I don't believe in God. He wants to make it a non-issue. I would vote for him because I like his views over whoever his opponent is on the other side. Is that something you should get mad about or upset about at all? That someone who has a chance of winning, probably will win if the polls are right, refuses to say, I'm an atheist. Because think of what that would do if he did. I think
1: that shows um, how scary cult-like <laughs> the secular community can become. And and this is the next episode of Dogma Debate that we're doing, it's a live show on May 18th, it is, is going to bring some of that controversy to light. Some of the uh, stuff going on in the secular community that's being buzzed around and, and it's like, you know, stuff's being swept under the rug. We have trauma in our about. community? Yeah, shocking, what? right? And... and People not wanting to call certain things out or not wanting to expose things. I understand it. We don't want to look bad, but we also don't want to be the Catholic Church. Yeah. We also don't want to say, oh, this priest has been really bad. Let's put him in another diocese, right? We want to say, hey, guys, this happened. Let's be careful moving forward. Right. I don't want anyone else to be hurt by this. that That's what it's about. It's about being honest. It's about journalism. It's about public warning and public information. Um, it's not about you having to say that you're on my team. Yeah. Right. You could come out on your very next show and say, yeah, I don't like dogma debate. I think David Smalley's overrated. I wouldn't be mad at you. That's your opinion. I love what you do. You do a great thing for the second community. But why didn't community. I say to your face? I mean, I would probably text you and be like, <laughs> what the hell? dude?" Right? But it wouldn't be a big deal. Like, I wouldn't be like anti you all of a sudden. Right. right? You could tomorrow start saying, hey, I'm going to call myself agnostic. I'd give you a shit for it. I'd be like, hey, you're still an atheist. I would pick at you, but I wouldn't say, you must say you're on my team. We are not a cult. We are not a religion. So what if my uniform doesn't match yours? So, there are bigger issues to deal with.
0: So this is where I, I do agree with you on this. Here's where I come on the Raskin thing, which is, you know what? If you said right up front that that was the case, that, you know, you're Jewish. This is what Barney Frank said, too, former representative. Yep, yep. He is Jewish. He... Never wanted to deny that label because he felt people might perceive it as anti-Semitic. If he said I'm not Jewish, fair enough. Okay, fine. I don't care Uh, because I like the things you pushed for and stuff. With Raskin, too, the only reason I'm upset because if he said I'm a secular Jew or I'm Jewish and but religion doesn't play a role for me, totally wouldn't have cared. Still would support, and I am still supporting him uh, as much as I can from Illinois. Sure. Uh, What bugs me is that he was touted as an atheist. To a lot of people, but did he tout himself as an atheist? I because, think he let you, people believe it so and use that label. So what? I'm mad because I think it would do so much if we had someone in Congress who said, "I'm an atheist," and it became an issue—not a big issue, but like if we, just like we have people in Congress who are op- there's two openly Muslim people. There is one Hindu person. I think in there's Congress. an atheist too. There is not. Are you sure? I am absolutely sure. Kristen uh, Cinema was- from Arizona is unaffiliated. There was a rumor she was an atheist, but as soon as she got elected, I know put there the kibosh are, on all
1: There's com- like 30 or something that are closeted who have admitted to some which means, group. Which
0: means nothing it, to it, me. Right, right exactly. Right. But I, I thought there was one openly... Nope. Believe me, I have looked. Really? I would be shocked if you found someone I, I haven't found. But Can you research that Please quick? do. Brandy, I see you over there on the <laughs> I,
1: I thought there was an openly atheist uh, member of Congress.
0: No, cinema is the only one who goes by unaffiliated right now, but hasn't, she will not speak about religious views, which again, I, if you said that up front, I don't think I would care. It's the fact that when we said, oh, so you're an atheist, it seemed like, hey, if that means you'll vote for me, go right ahead. If you want to give me money because you think I'm an atheist, (coughs) fine. I think that's what Raskin did too. And only now when the Washington post is like, so you're, are you really an atheist? Oh, I'm not an atheist because now he won the primary. Now he's in a real race. I feel like he's running away from it. I wish he would just say, "Oh yeah, I'm not religious, but it's a personal thing. I don't talk about it. Uh, I want to focus on the issues." I would love it if they just said that and got it out of the way. Well, but how do you know that that's his
1: actual stance? Though
0: I don't. I I you wanna, don't exactly. I so you know want to know what him, his actual you, stance. You you want him to say something? Based I want him to give what, an honest answer based on what you believe. No, his I position want him is. to give his an honest answer on what he believes, and I don't know what to think because different groups that are close to him yeah. are saying very different things yep. and i've heard be like behind the scenes
1: I- stuff i'll say this that, oh it's Num- a- number 1 someone else who has that same exact stance yeah we have a ton of respect for. Yes. And that's Neil deGrasse Tyson. Sure. He has never, I don't think he's ever used the atheist word to describe no, he himself. Hasn't. But as he a never... matter of fact, in emails back and forth with me, it <laughs> yeah. was a huge debacle. And people have to go listen to my show with him to, to hear that, that I, I misunderstood him. I thought he was being condescending. I wrote this really yes. crappy email back and I had to apologize to him. Um, but he, he won't call himself an atheist the last time I checked. they so, Some of them just don't want to focus on that. And, and I and understand that, I,
0: that. That I get. I my only, first, and I've said this on my website too, where I'm like, I really don't care about this guy's label. It doesn't. I don't care. You just want the I honesty. I want the honesty, I and understand. I feel like it would be so important. To, now let me be, ask you this: be so if you if you are an atheist and you're hiding it, you're doing a disservice to all the other atheists who might want to run for public office, maybe, but don't because they think it's a taboo. Maybe,
1: maybe. now. Now, what happens if he says, "Okay, Hemet, <laughs> just for you," this would be
0: an awesome conversation.
1: I'm an atheist. And then what if he loses the election and the conservative gets in there, but you're happy because you got your honesty?
0: No, I I right. want him to win. If, if he, right. No, no. If he thought he was going to lose by saying it, fine. Right, but then he can't be honest. He can't come out and say, I I, I can't talk. Bernie's Maybe basic, I'm not explaining Bernie, it Bernie well. said
1: the same thing very yeah. close
0: to but it. But Bernie just never a- suggested he was an atheist. He never let anyone say otherwise. He, I, every time I've heard Bernie speak about it, when people ask him point blank... What's your religion and stuff? He talks about how he's Jewish, Mm -hmm. and he talks about a very, I'm using the word, humanistic sort of religion that he believes in. We're all in this Um, together, that kind of stuff. Fine. You don't want to call yourself whatever, an atheist, if you are one, if you're not one. But you, you're very much open about, like, look, I don't talk about religion. I don't wear it on my sleeve. This is who I am. No, I'm, I'm in that
1: boat it. with you that I want them to be upfront. I want them to be honest. I want yeah. everybody who can come out safely to come out. I'm in that boat. Yes. But in the in, in the instance where the public has yeah. has labeled him and then he's running for public office, ultimately his decisions are going to be in our best interest, right? Yes. But maybe it is good that right now there's just predominantly Christian politics in America. Maybe... Christian to politics is too terrifying. I mean, sorry, Christian to atheist in politics is still is too, too much terrifying, of a taboo. Just like Christian to Muslim, sure, w- would be would be too terrifying. Maybe, maybe, maybe Christian to Jew is the right step. Why? Because Jews are considered a a protected. Hey, don't be anti Semitic. Don't right. be this this Hitler thing. Horrible. Let's be very. And I think sensitive even when they've them. done
0: polls, so, black woman, Jewish, right. gay, even. Exactly. are no longer the taboos they were, but Muslim and so maybe atheists this, still are. Maybe sure. this
1: is the proper steps. Maybe okay. we just need to be patient. Look, look like this. Yeah. When, when, when Christians are in my studio and they say horribly offensive things, I, I sometimes, and I get, I get so much shit for it from my listeners, like, why didn't you call him on everything he said that was wrong? <laughs> look, sometimes I, I let these things go, because there's a bigger picture. And I go, no, I understand that. And then whenever they're wrong about something, I don't launch and and, and and grab a hold of that and beat them up over that. I say, oh, that's great. You know what? You don't have to have an answer for that. And I move on. Yeah. Because I know that seed's been planted. I know that it's stepping <laughs> in the right direction. Maybe this is what has to happen for our kids to be able to run as openly atheist. Maybe this is the proper step.
0: Fair enough. Let me ask you one last question about that then. Let's say... You have someone who's in politics right now, who is in Congress, incumbent. No one's worried about losing their seat, right?
1: They're worried about losing their seat all the time. Eh,
0: but there's some of them who are totally safe. They could, okay. whatever, they're not going to lose it. We, you mentioned those like 20 to 30 people who may be closeted. Mm-hmm. Should they ever come out while I in office?
1: I, I would like to see it, but I don't think it's my place to tell them when they should label themselves publicly. Okay. I think it would be a socially responsible thing to do. Yes. I think it would be great for the secular community. I think it would help normalize non-belief. Yes. To say, hey, I've been a good guy all this time. I've been voting for these things. Here's what I did. And yes, I'm an atheist. I would love for it to happen, but it's not my place to tell another individual what they need to do. No, I'm not saying, hey, to, you have to, to, to come out themselves. now. But yeah. I would love to would see, see them it. do, do I would love it. Absolutely, I would love it. And
0: I think... I'm, I'll add on to what I said before, I would genuinely get mad. I, I got mad at Barney Frank too, in my head. He doesn't care what I think. But I got mad at Barney Frank too when after he left Congress, after <laughs> however long he was in there, yeah. uh, he went on Bill Maher's show and he made a joke that suggested he too was an atheist. Sure. And in the back of my head I'm like, I know he's a super liberal guy. He's so pro-gay rights. He's been so awesome on all the issues I care about. But he couldn't say that one even though he was not in danger of getting re-elected. And
1: I would like for them to do that. I would. I just, yeah. I, I, and under- by the way, later under- on, he
0: said he's not really an atheist. He never thought about a same answer we're getting from asking now, yeah. which, okay, if you're not, then, then don't say it. But for a while there, I'm just like, you could have made a serious difference to a lot of people. Even more so if yeah. you had done that. Oh, you're right. Oh, it right. pisses me No, off. you're absolutely right. But I, I wonder, too. Says me, by the way. I'm not <laughs> running for anything. So it's very easy to <laughs> say all this. Yeah, and I I, I mean, I, I don't
1: know. There's, there's a certain... And we've got confirmation from Brandy that, that you're exactly right. There's, yeah. like a single, yeah, there's, there's, not, there's not a none. single one. I thought there was one. Maybe there has been in the past...
0: Pete Stark was... Pete, oh, Pete Stark. Sorry, and, I should have... And he also was.
1: Sean uh, Faircloth as well. Was he in out? A,
0: He was in a state uh, legislature. Okay. And by the way, uh, Ernie okay. Chambers is one of the highest ranking... Uh, uh, Nebraska has only one chamber of Congress, only state that does that. He is their like highest ranking senator there. Mm-hmm. Openly atheist and very open about it. He is awesome, uh, but we have very few people like him. But yeah, Pete Stark, by the way after he came out as an atheist uh, he said he was non-theistic mm-hmm. that was the phrase and he was a unitarian but he didn't believe in god after he came out and said that after a couple decades in public life in congress he ran he had to run a reelection campaign got reelected it didn't hurt him and then i think the next cycle around maybe that was 2012 or 2014 he did lose the race but it wasn't cuz of the atheism thing there were plenty of other reasons he lost that's that. a really good sign I, I hope so. And, and that's kind of why I'm like, oh, if you have a chance and you're going to win or you're in Congress, <laughs> you could make a huge difference here by Look, coming out. Look,
1: seeing, seeing a uh, a secular Jew go as far as Bernie Sanders yeah. has, seeing London
0: elect a Muslim mayor. Yeah. Um, you have see, to feel very the, optimistic it's about It's headed the right direction, folks. I Be wrote, patient. I pointed this out on my side too. Hillary Clinton... Out of the three remaining candidates, Hillary Clinton may be the most religious person <laughs> running for office, which is ridiculous. I, because I tweeted that the she, other day. I said,
1: uh, "I said, do you realize?" That the GOP is about to put up a less religious candidate mm-hmm. than the so-called progressives. Yeah. I mean, she is dropping the G word every chance she gets. I'm, I can't wait for her to be elected so I can live up to my God-given potential. <laughs> I want to know what that is. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Meanwhile, yeah. Bernie is saying things like, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. That's my belief. It's spiritual. It's humanism. You know, and for I, all the
0: criticism I've heard of Bernie Sanders from whichever side, the, the Clinton side or the Republican side, no one goes after the religion thing, by the way. They, they don't like him for plenty of other reasons, mm-hmm. but that's not one of them, which, again, that's a very optimistic sign that it seems, as we're talking about Donald Trump dismantling the GOP and maybe putting the end to the religious rights power... It seems like religion is not a factor. Does that mean that socialism is becoming a scarier word than atheism? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's what's, got, what's happening here. Yeah. I mean, religious issues, all the trans uh, issues we're seeing now. I mean, yeah, religious issues are still a factor. Yeah. But religion itself with the candidates, at least this time around... Like, no one's talking about, like, well, Mitt Romney believes in a weirder religion than we're used to. Right. Or Barack Obama. What religion is he? You know, yep. that's not in play now. It's not. It's not. And I wonder, it'll be interesting
1: if it happens if it's Hillary and, and Trump. Yeah. Because that dude, I think Trump's an atheist.
0: I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not going to label Trump him is either. An, but
1: I, I believe he is. I don't care what he says. I do uh,
0: think he's faking his Christian. I think. I think just like everything else, he doesn't think about it religion isn't a thing for him. That doesn't make him an atheist. That just makes him more apathetic to it. He's an apatheist. He doesn't think about this stuff. But, yeah, he... You, Every time he talks, he's it. You will talk, about, talks, you will talk about
1: women. You will call people fat pigs. You mm-hmm. will say that Megan Kelly's bleeding out of her wherever. You will say mm-hmm. the most horrific things. Someone asks you your favorite Bible verse, and you say, that's a personal matter, I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. And then the one time you do, three weeks later, you have the nerve to say two, two Corinthians. Th- Guess <laughs> what that means? That means you got an email or a text message, <laughs> and you glance down yeah. and say, some ca- campaign manager somewhere Typed that you, have never even assuming, heard it
0: spoken. Assuming you would get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's
1: totally, it. he's totally, and yeah. he's even said, I, I don't, I just don't bring God into the thing. We did a thing on, on Dogma Debate one time where I read quotes and said, try to guess which uh, candidate said this. Trump was, like, the most secular. He was he was mm-hmm. rattling stuff off, saying, yeah, I just don't bring God into the equation. And when I deal with a problem, I just deal with it. God's not part of the issue for me. <laughs> like, it's not Bernie. And this, is,
0: this is why I'm saying, like, I don't care if he's labeled uh, Donald Trump could call himself an atheist. It doesn't mean I want I to really vote for him. I really hope he doesn't. I really, I, know, I don't, don't want to claim that, dude. <laughs> don't I don't cl- don't. He, he, yeah. If he's an atheist, it's only
1: because he was born that way and he's just kept on floating down the river. with. No- he's <laughs> never needed religion. He's, he's never thought yes, about religion never had to think about it nothing's gone
0: wrong in his life that he's like let me i wonder about these existential questions (laughs) no
1: it's uh is 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 my helicopter gassed up like that's his biggest (laughs) worry right now yeah
0: and then he just pays someone off and they'll take care of it like it's not something he has to think about which is very different from i think hillary clinton who i think has systematically thought it through like how she wants to do it whatever uh I think she
1: sees it as let me gain as much of the Republican vote as I can sure. because if she did the whole secular thing, and that's my issue. Is she is the least trusted candidate, and Bernie is the most trusted candidate. When you line them all up, or I think maybe, let me maybe let me reframe.
0: I don't know if I would. I don't know if I personally would say trusted. I think you're right if you said inauthentic or something. I don't think she's authentic, but I do trust her on most of the issues. I think she's way more war hawkish than... It was a CNN like, poll
1: but, yeah. that they quoted that she was the least trusted, and they were talking with a Hillary supporter, trying to make the Hillary supporter somehow defend that she's least trusted, and and she didn't. She was like, no, that's what the polls say, and it just kinda, she kind of rolled with it, so that's why
0: I took it as fact. Yeah.
1: I didn't go fact-checking. No, either, no, so no,
0: the... But yeah, I think that's what the sense I get. I'm like, yeah, I know she's trying to do the political thing, but that's the bubble she's been in for like 30 years now. But look, Emmett, at the end of the day,
1: yeah, when she gave a speech to a financial industry yeah. and refuses to release the transcript, look, every, we've known since like fourth grade, when you have evidence that you don't want to show me, you clearly have something to hide.
0: That that's just what that means. Me. I don't know why, that one just doesn't bother me. I would love to know. I I, I want to know if she's saying,
1: you know, when I get elected, I'm going to do yeah. some things and I'm going to. make Do you make think things she did easy. that though? I don't.
0: I don't, don't believe look, that for a second. That doesn't she, seem like her style. That I'm she's, not accusing her of it. I what know I'm you're not. I know is, you're not. What
1: I'm saying is, if there's nothing in there we should be worried about, why doesn't she release it? What are you worried about? Why
0: not? Yeah, it's a slippery slope, I
1: think, and in her says, mind. And I think then she says, thinking. when anybody else, when everybody else does it, yeah, that's I'll do a stupid it. Answer. she's not running against <laughs> the Republicans yet. She's running against Bernie. He said he would do it. Right. I, and so when she hides information, um, I think that that's another thing people go, uh, you're hiding Donald Trump. I got to say, that
0: one just doesn't bother me. Trump won't man. release his taxes also doesn't bother me one bit. i'm just they saying also did, as we're recording this today they announced that like he played a his own pr person we heard that on the way over here hilarious <laughs> and also doesn't <laughs> bother me it makes him seem stupid again but like doesn't bother me one bit there are no. more serious issues let me yeah. ask you one last question then we'll wrap this up okay uh clearly supporting bernie sanders you like bernie sanders Yep. it looks like she is gonna win the nomination Uh-oh. now i know what's coming if Elizabeth Warren is her vice president, does that change the calc? Do, do you say like, all right, you know what? Whatever concerns I had about the financial stuff, she balances it out. So it's kind of like having the 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 Bernie wing of the party on her ticket. So I have no qualms about putting them. I mean, I assume you would vote for her anyway.
1: Yeah, that's but- something. That's something that I plan on talking about on Dogumentary okay. very soon because. Um, 3 months ago, 4 months ago, I boldly said, you know, no matter what, I'm voting for the Democratic candidate. Yeah. I, it's a better, at the very least it's a vote against the idiocracy that's going to be a Trump presidency. I'm I'm not going to to let that happen. My vote's going to be at least for the Democratic candidate. And then I've I've challenged people on my show even past elections, yeah. Obama versus Romney, all this stuff. People would come on my show and be like, "I'm for Jill Stein till the day I die." And I'm like, <laughs> Okay, that's awesome. And then we had this whole debate on do you vote with your conscience or do you vote strategically? And go, look, Jill Stein is not going to be our president. So I I said before on the show, and I really offended someone because I wasn't thinking about it. I said, look, if you vote for Jill Stein, you're you're throwing your vote away. Oh, my God, they lost it. So I went on the I side with thing. I did the, the test. I lined more closely with Jill Stein than I did anyone else, but I supported Obama in the election. They called me a sellout. I said, you're throwing your vote in the trash. Yeah. There was anger at the table, right? But I understand both sides. Some people really want to vote with their conscience, and, and I get it. Look, Hillary has been kicking Bernie's butt, and it doesn't feel good. It makes you upset. Hillary also with the whole superdelegate crap yeah. The whole taking money from the Democratic Party, the way these things. I mean, if you watch Young Turks or you watch MSNBC, there are people on both of those networks going, this is corruption. They are stealing this election from Bernie. This is not fair. Bernie would win a state and she would get more uh, delegates than he did. Why? They're also counting the the superdelegates before they're actually filed, right? Mm-hmm. So it gives, the, it gives impression the impression that she has more support she's than winning. she does. So then people go, I don't want to vote for the loser. Right. So that gets her um, pledge delegates that she probably wouldn't have had. Mm-hmm. So they are, in it's sort of like someone coming out, saying something about the stock market, and then a, by them saying things, they actually affect the following right. day of the stock market. That's kind of what's happening. They put the numbers up on the screen and make make it look like Hillary is just dominating Bernie. And then that's really not the case because the, the the super delegates can change their minds. I disagree with the whole super delegate process. It makes yeah. me not even want to be a Democrat. The way some of these things are actually going down, so there's a lot of frustrating things happening that makes me want to back out and potentially say, I don't even want to vote. I don't even want to be a part of this crap. I don't want. I want to. I want to change my 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 registration to independent from Democrat, and that starts to make me want to pull out of this whole thing because I don't like the way this is done. I'm a member of the Democratic Party, and I think it's filled with disgusting corruption. Now, I'm still having my own internal debate. I'm leaning more towards what I said originally. I still want to support Hillary if she is our our, our nominee um, because, for one, I'm, I'm a Democrat, and I said that's what I would do. I want to hold up my end of the deal. At the same time, I feel like she's getting it Not illegally, but but unethically, to say the least. And I'm not okay with that. So if I vote for Hillary, it will not be a vote for Hillary. It will be a vote against the Republican Party. And so I want to have that whole debate on the show and talk to someone who is like absolute Bernie bro going to take Hillary down, vote for Donald Trump. I don't get that one. I I don't either. But (laughs) I think think the science goes something along the lines of if they want to have corruption, if they want to support Hillary... They deserve Donald Trump. This is corruption. Let's give America what they deserve. Bernie didn't
0: win. I'm going to burn this place to the ground. Yeah,
1: I'm taking my ball and going home. Yeah, and and that I'm not okay with. And so I want to talk to someone about that on the show, but that's my internal struggle.
0: I, I think for me personally, it's like, okay, I get it. I know why people like Bernie, but if he doesn't get the nomination by whatever means it is, how do you look someone? How do you look at someone who is LGBT that you consider a friend in the eye and say, "Sorry, I'm voting for the Republicans in yeah, this race"? Absolutely. I, how do you do that yep. with a heart? Yep. I don't get it. All right, we're wrapping yep, this thing good up. Point. Good point. Thank well, you, my friend. Up, thanks for coming here. Thanks for recording this. Hey,
1: thanks for having me, man. I appreciate my it. I, I've never been able to be in person with you, and I, I've enjoyed it. It's awesome. Me
0: too.